Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want you to lift your hands up everywhere. Where, everyone on the sound of my voice, I don't want you to, I want you to lift your hands and just surrender and say, God, I surrender to you. And God, I know that I'm not enough, but you are. I know that you can do it. God, Lord, it's not my talents. It's not my ability. It all belongs to you. It's not my fruit. It's not my gifting. It's all, it's all yours. God, and I thank you, God, that we're not enough. I'm empty without you. As we've discovered in this series, God, I, I figured out I'm empty without you, and I don't need another empty thing to try to fill an empty thing. God, I, I need you, the only one who can fill me, to fill me. Fill me in my, my wavery place. Fill me in my shaky place. Fill me in my discouraging place. Fill me in that dark place. Fill me, God, Lord, in that hurting place. Fill me in that insecure place. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to fill somebody today. I want you to stay standing as I read this word to you. It's just a short word, and it's found in the First Kings 17. And it's the story of uh, Elijah and how he not only fed the woman and her vats were, jars were always full, but then how he raised her son from the dead. It says, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Now she's frustrated. Have you come to bring my sin to my remembrance and kill my son? Blaming Elijah. He said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out with a loud voice to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, you have also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son. Now he begins to blame God. And he stretched himself out on the child three times. Everybody say three times. And cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room onto the, into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Now listen to what the woman says. The woman turned to Elijah after her vats were full. She didn't say this. But after her son came back from the dead, she said, now th by this, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would be made flesh today and that the truth of God would set somebody free. Let a breath of fresh air come in this place and let the Ruach Kodesh of God breathe anew God into each and every life and heart and mind and soul and Lord I thank you if somebody's feeling a little dead today let them be revived I pray if somebody's dying of hope let them be revived today I pray if somebody's falling asleep let them be revived today I pray if somebody's gone limp and passionless in their relationship with you let them be revived today I pray that the dead things will come to life today and I thank you God that the spirit of God is going to do a mighty work and mark this house with miracles and Lord in Jesus name we receive that and everybody who did receive it shouted a good amen 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 amen, amen. you may be seated in this wonderful presence and atmosphere of God and I want to get right into what the Lord wants to share with you today First off, we're in a series entitled Breathe. Everybody say breathe. breathe. Just take a deep breath and breathe. 
Yeah, some of you did it. So take a deep breath and breathe. One moment of breathing will help prevent a lifetime of regret. If you just take a moment to breathe, you're, you're going to stop yourself from saying what you shouldn't say. You're gonna, if you take a moment to breathe and pray, you're going you're gonna to stop yourself from reacting and you're going to start responding to situations. You'll be a better leader. You'll be a better business owner. You'll better, be a better husband, a better uh, mother. A be, you'll, be a better, you'll be a better person you'll, 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 if you just take a moment to breathe. And so I want to recap like what we've talked about. So I want you to take good notes uh, and because here at Bridge Church, we take good notes and, and I, I, we're excited to take good notes. You want to know why? Because we take what God is saying seriously. And so I want you to take what God is saying to you seriously. Write it down. Did you know if you write things down, your, th- your, your percentage of remembrance goes up 30%. So it goes from 13 to, th- to 43. And then if you not only write it down and go back and look at it, you go up to 96%. So you, you jump through the roof in this in this uh, being able to remember. And let me just tell you, a short pencil is better than a long memory. Because I, I, I'd love to say I'm just not good at taking notes, but you won't remember anything God has Take, telling you if you don't pull out your phone. Take notes on your phone. I'm not afraid of people having phones out in the church. It's not a sin to have your phone out in church. Pull your phone out. Take good notes. But I want to recap some of this, and then we're going to go into some new content. So oh, as we began Breathe, uh, we had three weeks, and today is week four. And so week one, we talked about John chapter 20 and how Jesus walked into that dark place where the disciples were hiding because of fear, and he said, breathe. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And we took his breath is where life begins. His breath empowers me. His breath fills me. Uh, Week number two, Acts chapter 16, I taught you about the only spirit that's mentioned, the demonic spirit that's mentioned in the New Testament, which is the spirit of Python, which is to constrict, confine, and kill you and literally take the breath out of you. Guys, if if this message about breathe isn't relevant now, I don't know when it would be because literally the virus that's out there is to try to get you on a ventilator and literally take the breath right out of your body. This message is more powerful than, am I preaching? This is good. We got to be able to see, okay, God, I'm ready, God, Lord, to receive a new fresh breath. I don't want to lose my breath. So, okay, here we go. Breathe through the planting, breathe through the pestering, breathe through the pain and breathe through the process. Then in week three, Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, we talked about how uh, the prophet breathed on the dry bones and God commanded him to breathe in the taking, breathe in the valley, breathe in the uncertainty and breathe in the dry bones. And this week we're talking about Elijah and how he breathed on this young man and he came back to life and how his breath, the young boy, his breath was taken from him. And throughout each week, I've been kind of starting with some facts and a little, some pieces about interesting pieces, you know, about breathing and how you can breathe and you can focus. And I taught about how last week I, I found another demonic name and that's called floating shelves. And as I tried to hang floating shelves, I, I, I think I cursed it. So I, I even got so frustrated with floating shelves last week and couldn't even breathe that I looked up who invented floating shelves because I was going to pray a, a godly curse. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... I was frustrated. I, I couldn't even breathe. I wanted to, I, I almost sinned all day. I just had to turn on worship music. I, and we talked about some different facts and different little pieces of breathing. But mostly, you know, my wife, she's, uh, you know, 38 going on 39 weeks uh, of being pregnant. And she's going to, that baby's coming soon. And so, yeah. It's a, and we're excited. Some of you who don't know the story, we've been praying for 13 and a half years. So there is a reason why people have been clapping because we've been trying for quite a while. And when you've got family who's been through it, you, you support them through it and you love them. But 
So anyway, I, uh, my wife is 38, and you do these, we can't do the in-person classes, you know, like where you get the ball and you're bouncing and you're doing, I don't know. I, I, all I've seen is on what the office taught me. And so I, I, you go through the breathing classes, and then I, I didn't know, very, but I had to do all online. So then I did online, and they do the short breaths, long breaths, three short, right? And so, hey, guys, I'm trying, y'all ought to like, they'd be like, great job, Pastor Lana, you're doing pretty good. Guys, I've got to be the coach in there. I'm like, honey, breathe. You got this. You can do this because we're having this baby together. <laughs> no women, no woman. Amen, right there. <laughs> Everyone was like, I was with you until you said, we are doing this. She is doing that. You just happen to be there. <laughs> uh, but I, like, I'm going to be the coach. I'm going to help her breathe. <laughs> And you know what they, they tell you? They tell you that like it, it, more than pushing, because I always thought, push, 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 push. But they actually say, you can breathe this baby right out of you. And I was like, oh, man, how great would that be? I, I know that may not be exactly true, but uh, we'll, we'll find out. But they were like, if you breathe, pushing actually can cause more damage. But if you breathe, you can actually breathe new life into this world. Let me just tell you, if you take a deep breath, God's going to breathe some new life with less damage in your life instead of trying to push everything. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to force this. I'm going to do that. And, and we just need to breathe. We need to breathe a little bit. I don't know what it is with people who have this uh, fanatical feeling towards like asphyxiation. Now, now listen, I'm not going anywhere weird. Everybody take a deep breath. Just breathe. Keep breathing. But I like, there's the, there, when I was a kid, let me start off with it. When I was in high school, okay, let me go back. Rewind. When I was in high school, I, we would play games like, you know, rock, paper, scissors, Right. Or if we were getting really cr rowdy and crazy in the locker room, how many ever did slap boxing? Everybody did slap boxing? Yeah, yeah, come on. I, I see. And you're like, okay, come on. Because you're, you're fighting with your friends. You don't really want to like wreck them. You're just like, oh, bah, 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 bah. I'm faster than you. I'm better than you. And so I, like, you know, you'd fight and you'd try to get them. And that's how we did it. Now, I became a PE teacher uh, years later, and I, I was coaching being a PE teacher. And there were apparently some new trends and new things that were happening. So I didn't know this. So I'm a PE teacher, and I got high school and junior high, and I'm coaching them, doing all this kind of stuff. And, and then I've got multiple rooms going on. I got girls over here and people running over there, and I got the gym workout going over here. And I'm like, oh, they're good, you know. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just listening, watching them run. All of a sudden, I hear this loud, boom, thud. I'm like, whew, all right. They're getting after it in the weight room. Finally, those little junior hires are going to get some meat on them. Like, we need to get build these little suckers up. And so I was like, all right, cool. Keep working out, guys. And all I'm, I'm literally cheering from another room. I'm like, yeah, keep doing it, guys. And then all of a sudden, I hear another boom. I'm like, oh, man. I was like, they are really throwing some weight down over there. And then all of a sudden, I hear this boom, 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 boom in a row. I'm like, what is going on? So I start walking over. I get in there, and there are seven bodies on the ground. And one kid's standing over all of them like, <sighs> just smiling. I'm like, oh, dear God, you're going to jail. I'm going to jail. We're all in trouble, dude. You just ruined everything. I'm like, what the fuck did you do? Like, this is before I was, no, I was pastoring. This is before, this is when I was younger and had no restraint, whatever excuse. I was, I, I didn't breathe in the moment. Yeah, I needed to take it. I was, and I said, what the heck are you doing in here? And he was like, oh, it's all, it's all good, coach. It's all good. He's like, back it down. I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strangle you. And he was like, no, what we do is we choke each other out till we pass out. I was like, you are an idiot. I was like, you're stupid. 
look how stupid this looks. Look how stupid you sound. I was like, you choke each other out till you pass out. Why don't you just slap each other a little bit like we used to? What are you doing? And he was like, no, this is just what we're into. And they all start kind of waking up. I'm like, oh, every one of you, y'all do a, like a thousand laps and a hundred push-ups because when you don't breathe, you look stupid. When you don't breathe and you don't take a moment to breathe, you sound stupid. But when you go ahead and you just breathe a little bit, it's amazing. When you just, it's, it's, it's crazy how but people, we, we talk about that kids, but we do it all the time. Crisis comes. <gasps> and, oh, I'm in an argument with my wife. Oh, I'm going to, and we just lash out instead of, and we sound stupid and we look stupid. <laughs> And it's funny when it's junior high kids who lived, and all of them lived, and none of them have brain damage, and they're all okay, and they all signed waivers after. But we have, <laughs> but we have a, a society that just doesn't take a moment to breathe. And I want to I teach from Elijah's story and how this goes. So let's start at the beginning with Elijah. Elijah gets called by God to help the people of God turn their hearts back to God. How he does that is he says, hey, we're going to call a drought, and there's going to be no rain. And so he calls a drought, well, that causes a famine. And so there's a famine in the land, and Elijah's hiding from Ahab and Jezebel, so he goes by a brook. When he goes by a brook, he goes over there and he gets fed by birds, which is disgusting. I don't know about you, there are a lot of people who like, they teach about the Bible. How many ever heard of God feeding people in the Old Testament with birds? And then everybody's like, oh, what a miracle. They, they should be privileged and count themselves lucky. What an awesome, that's disgusting. I would think that was gross. When I heard that, I was like, could you imagine some dirty pigeon that just threw up in his baby's mouth carrying your dinner? Blah, good luck. Uh, that's not luxury. That's like, oh, God, come on. I just did what you asked me to. And you're getting fed by a dirty bird. Dirty bird. Anyway, so you, you, that bird feeds him, and then the, the, the brook runs out as it leads into the Jordan. As the brook runs out, then, he, then the Lord says, hey, I want you to go. Now he's, listen. If that's not a problem, I don't know what it is. He has no water. He's got dirty birds feeding him. And he's running from Ahab and Jezebel. And he says, I want you to go to this woman. She's a widow. And she's going to feed you and take care of you. Oh, okay, great. How many have ever got the call of God before? You're like, oh, man, I'm going to live for Jesus. Or, hey, I'm going to go to church today. And you thought you were leaving a problem to head to your promised land. And as you go leaving one problem, you encounter another and it doesn't go, it doesn't all of a sudden get easier because, listen, sometimes the, the, the reward for someone who solves problems is another. So Elijah thinks, think about this. I'm going from a difficult place thinking, oh, God's going to rescue me. And I'm looking, what would you be looking for? I didn't get to teach this at first service. Who would you, what does the person you think is going to bless you and feed you would look like? Because this woman was broke, this woman had no food, this woman was destitute, this woman we knew was, he knew was a widow, but he wouldn't, some of us, we go out looking and we're looking for the nice house, we're looking for the well-dressed individual, we're looking for one who's got it all together, we're looking for the, God's leading me to a new group of friends, oh, they're going to look like me, I want them to wear some cool vans, I want them to have a nice cool t-shirt, and I want them to look just like this, and God's saying, they're not going to look the way you think. And sometimes your, problem, your promise is actually going to look like a problem. But I'm not bringing you as a solution into an area that needs no solution. I'm bringing a solution into a problem because the problem needs you to be the solution. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amening. 
And, and you can relate however you want. NAU students, go on your campus and find a problem. You can look at it at any part of our society, our school district, our justice system. You can look at it at our fire. Our fire department found a problem. And they said, man, we don't have a chaplaincy program for our entire fire department in the city of Flagstaff. And they called Pastor Landon and said, hey, Pastor Landon, can you and Bridge Church help start an entire chaplaincy program for the entire fire department to minister to our entire fire? Come on. God will bring a solution before a problem. I'm not even to my first point. And then he gets there and he he shows up and the woman's there. And as he gets to the woman, then he he gets to the woman's house and the woman's got one meal left. And she says, I'm going to fix this little meal and we're going to die. How tough is that? That God's now going to tell Elijah to ask that woman, give me the last It's easy to give when you have something left. It's difficult to give when it's all you've got left. I'm going to say it again. It's easy to give when you've got something left. It's hard to give when you've got nothing left. When you got nothing, I remember my wife and I, when we were broke, and I'm talking about real broke, like nothing, like ramen every day broke, like we were just kind of barely getting by, and we had never, we had never done the principle of tithing. When we put God first, we watched God increase our life like crazy, and I don't have time to teach about this whole first passage, but that, this is what that, the truth of that that comes in there is putting God first and watching God fill your life, because one empty thing won't fill another empty thing, but the one who fills all things and works in all things through all things can do all things in your life if you put the one who owns all things in charge of all your things oh man that was good somebody rewind that play that again and put that on twitter that we have we have to be able to put god first and so it's a challenging place though think about the bold faith that elijah had to have say feed me first then you die but elijah knew he said your jars will be full and then right after jars are full everything's good right we think it's all positive and then elijah stays and keeps living with her you ever had a guest that stayed too long come on parents how many have a kid that's still there <laughs> but we we have you have a guest that stays there like elijah just stayed he was like well i thought i was just supposed to feed you and you were supposed to keep going she he stayed with her and then he stays with her so long that her son, the Bible says, became sick. And then went, listen to the prog- progression of this. He went sick, and then the Bible says he was very sick, and then he breathed no more. And so Elijah, the whole time, watched a young man, listen, get sick, never prayed. Get very sick, never prayed, never did anything until he lost his breath, and he still never prayed for the boy. She had to bring him to the man of God. And let me just to ask you a question. What do you do when it, does, when it seems like God is not doing very much? I'm going to ask you again. What do you do when it seems like God is not doing very much? When it's hard to see that he's working, when it's hard to see that he's moving, when it's hard to see that he's there and always will be there and he's been faithful yesterday, today, and forever. How do you, how do you keep functioning? How do we as a body of believers keep moving forward? Let me just tell you the first point I'm going to give you today. Breathe in the calling. Breathe in the, write that down. Breathe in the calling. I'll explain. Because when Elijah got the call from God to call a drought, that wasn't easy. 
When Elijah got the call to go to the brook and get fed by a bunch of dirty birds, it wasn't easy. When he got called to go to the woman's house and say, give me your last meal, it wasn't easy. And when the uh, child died and the woman said, what are you doing? You better raise my child back from the dead. It was not easy because God is not calling you to comfort. God is calling you to the mountaintop where he can challenge you and build you and grow you and develop your faith. God wants to call you into greatness. Now, it might be a little uncomfortable. It might even disrupt your beautiful little schedule. How many are your A-type personality and you have a calendar at home? Go ahead, raise your hand if you're A-type personality. You have a calendar. How many, keep it up if you're color-coded. If you got color-coded, you're like, my wife is like red, blue, yellow, orange, and everything, everything in her notebook, color, 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 and this is what each color means, and it's all broken down. Let me just tell you, when God calls you, it's going to disrupt you. When God calls you, it's not going to be convenient. When God calls you, it's not going to be easy. But listen, your momentary disruption might become a point of somebody's miracle from their destruction. If you answer the call, you're going to save somebody's life. If you answer the call, you might be the place of miracle for somebody else where they were about to die, where they were about to be killed, where their son would live no more. You're going to walk out into that place where God called you to step out and say, okay, I'll show up to church. I'll show up to prayer. I, I, listen, when God calls us to say, hey, let's, let's see the nation change. Don't tell me you want the nation changed and you're not praying and fasting because the Bible says that only these mountains can be moved by prayer and fasting. Don't keep talking about the world. Start praying about the world. Don't keep complaining about the problem. Fast about the problem. Don't live in the, you got to accept the calling of God on your life. I preached this a, couple, a week or two ago that don't let your dreams outweigh your disciplines. We have a lot of people with big dreams and one big prayer, but let me tell you the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much and that fervent prayer means the consistent, passionate prayer. If you haven't been praying for it for at least five years, it's just a passing wish. You ought to pray and pray and pray and pray. Because when God calls you, he's calling you into a moment to disrupt somebody's destruction. I know it's going to inconvenience me, but their life might be changed. Point number two. Point number two is I want you to breathe in the faith space. Look at this man, Elijah, we've talked about. But now look at this woman. This woman steps up and she says, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I have one meal left. I've got a little morsel left. I'm going to feed my son, but I'm gonna, now I've got to feed him first. And now he's going to eat. We're not going to have enough to eat. And we're going to die sooner than I thought. Think about when she was asked to make that meal. And then she goes over and grabs the last little bit. How long do you, anybody bake in here? Set it at 350? 35 minutes? Maybe 10 minutes to make it. Think about that. 45 minutes. No words were said. Not a whisper from the woman. All she did was make and bake. All she did was say, okay, God, how are we going to live? He said, my jars will never run dry. But I don't know. And she reached in and she made with the last meal. And the last time she touched that jar, there was nothing left to give. 
but yet she makes this cake and she's breathing in the faith space. And then she, after she makes the meal, then there's, she reaches back in and now all of a sudden there's, there's wheat in there, there's oil in there, those jars are full because she was able to breathe. She didn't complain, she didn't question God, she didn't go extreme, she didn't go negative, she didn't go doubtful, she didn't even go super faithful. She just breathed. Sometimes you don't even need to say a statement of faith. When God calls you out of that dark place, when God calls you into a difficult situation, you just need to say, God, I'm just going to breathe my way and rest on your last word. And as she breathed her way through that, listen, she not only fed herself, but then when her son died, she went back to the man who knew, she knew who could do it. And she said, you better bring my child back to life. And let me give you this point. Faith is not a wishbone. Faith is a backbone. And that woman had a faith like a backbone that stood and said, I'm not just hoping. I'm commanding you, prophet. You better bring this boy back to life. I am, com- I am breathing in the faith space. Why? Because I'm not going to say a word. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. I'm not going to say anything because no words need to be said. You spoke it. It shall be done. And when you breathe in the faith space, you're not just saying, God, I hope because everybody who goes and says, Lord, you told me, but... I thought I'd just remind you. How many have been there? I just want to let you know I'm still here. (laughs) Take a deep breath and breathe. God knows. Sometimes you're in that difficult place and you just need to breathe in that faith space. You just need to remind yourself, God, I'm not just on a wish. I have a backbone because I'm marked by miracles. How many have ever lived long enough? You've seen God do a miracle in your life. Raise your hand. Come on. See, see God move in your life in any way. Look at all the hands around here. If you haven't, you will in your lifetime. But let me just tell you this. I don't think we have a faith problem. I think we have a memory problem in the body of Christ. I don't think we have a faith problem. I think we've got a memory problem. Because the woman got frustrated with the prophet because she had already forgotten about the jars. But if you forget where God has brought you, you'll forget that God can take you. And if you understand that God has got you, then I got a backbone not a wishbone and I can stand up straight square my shoulders and say I can breathe through the process I can breathe in the pain I can breathe through the difficult I can breathe in the dark I can take a deep breath and in the worst of situations I can breathe oh somebody shout breathe Breathe. we're called to breathe 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 in the faith space breathe in the faith space breathe look because it might shake you but it will not break you I bet it shook her. I I bet there was a momentary shaking. But you're pressed but not crushed. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. God has called you to stand. You might have experienced a a hit. Maybe you remember those slap boxing days. You might have gotten struck. But you're not down. Breathe in that faith space. Then number three, write this down. Breathe, don't blame. Breathe, don't blame. Because then what happens if you're not breathing appropriately and you're a mama who's desperate? How many had a, a fighting mom, like a crazy mama, like a mama bear, mama, mama, mama? My mama was a smother mother and a mama bear all wrapped in one. And if baby little Landon got hurt, I hurt my finger. I, I, I feel like I have to tell this every so often because some people just come and ask me, did you ever you know, get an accident? Yes, I did. Blew it off when I was seven years old. But when I got this, I, I blew my finger off. I went to the hospital. I had this little bit left, just a little bit left. And they were like, well, you know, it's kind of weird looking. We're going to cut it off. He came into this hospital with nine and a half fingers, and my baby boy is leaving with nine and a half fingers. You better figure out how to do it. She, dude, she ripped them a new one. And we, we finally, I, like, I, I count my half a finger. Why? Because I got a mama bear who knows how to fight for me. 
She wasn't mad at anybody else. But let me just tell you, I I don't get so mad at this mama, but when this mama got frustrated and couldn't breathe, she started blaming. She goes, she goes, what, what good are you? Why are you even here? And what's funny is, is blaming is contagious because then the prophet goes before the Lord. He says, Lord, what have you done? Oh yeah. Let me just tell you, when you get, when you, when you're, when you're not breathing and you're blaming, you're always going to find some other person is the problem. You're always going to find that's the place. That's the problem. You're always going to, it's the pastor. That's the problem. That's why I was good with you pastor and your preacher. But until you mentioned that 99.9996% about COVID and the Delta variant, I was fine until that, but yeah, and, and I'll, but I'm leaving now I'm out of this church. Oh yeah. My family got, yes. My marriage got touched while I was there. Yes. I hear the word of the Lord. Yes. The worship is great. Yes. My kids love children's church. But I cannot stand for that God because we're going to throw our blessings out with our burden. And if you're not careful in the blame game, you'll throw the blessings out just because you got a burden in your life, just because you got a problem in your, and you get a problem and all of a sudden now you're going to do the blame game and everyone else is to blame except for, and you can never change a problem you don't own. Take ownership. Don't play the blame game. It helps nobody. You throw it out. And if blaming is contagious, so is not boldness. I'm going to say that one again. If blaming is contagious, so is in boldness. Because somewhere Elijah got struck with boldness. And after he had blamed God, he laid before the child. And after he laid before, he said, God, bring this baby's soul right back to him right now. Because boldness all of a sudden came upon him. And then the boy came back to life. Why? Because boldness is contagious. And when you know how to boldly lead, then you'll have consistent followers. See, the the reason we don't have consistent followers is because we don't have bold leaders. We want passive leaders instead of bold leaders. We want leaders who are just cool and relaxed and relatable. Let me just tell you, that never got anywhere. It never got anybody anywhere. That never led a group. That never, that never changed a life. But Paul changed lives. Why? Because he was bold. Paul was crazy bold. Paul was like, you're going to sit there and you're going to listen to me for the next seven hours while I preach. And he preached so long that a dude fell off a window, three stories, broke his neck and died. And you know what? Paul walked down. He goes, come here, boy. Pop. And he was like, alive. Good. Let's go back. And he preached all the way to the next morning because Paul was bold and they loved Paul. They chased after Paul. And when Paul left, they cried and wept because we're not looking for people who blame we're looking for leaders who are bold in the name of Jesus oh that's a good place to give God some praise some people like me because they're like oh you're passionate I wish you could crank the energy up a little bit yeah I am wound up like the energizer buddy every Sunday because I will never be a passive leader I will never tone it down I will never wear it down I will never let down I will be the leader I am created to be and preach how God has called me to be every whether I got to preach a message about grace again or I got to preach a message I could preach the same message every Sunday and most people wouldn't even know I might even try it Because I'm going to preach it with boldness. Because boldness changes lives. If you're sitting back reclined, you might want to sit up. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. We've done this for the world. God will do it. Bold leaders. Point number four. This is important. Breathe whatever it takes. 
Now, I've been reading theology papers for the last months about this passage of scripture, and I have, feel like I've gone cross-eyed and blind. Uh, it's been one boring paper after another, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Because hey, I, I was like, what is the point, God? Three? He laid down on three times. Three times. Now, I know that Jesus on the third day rose from the dead. I know that three represents the perfect unity. I know that three represents the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know, that th- I know what three means. And I know every time that three is mentioned in the Bible, why it's used in the Bible. I know what three is. I know what it's for. But it didn't fit because then he did it like this and raised the boy to the, from the dead. And then later on, then Elisha, his protege, he only touched him once and raised him from the dead. And then Jesus walked up one time and touched somebody twice and didn't touch him three times and then touched another guy once and then touch, then didn't touch another guy at all. And God, it wasn't the, I said, Lord, what are you saying here? And the, the, the point that the Holy Spirit gave me is do whatever it takes because what I saw Elijah doing is I saw Elijah saying, okay, one at a time. I'll do it four times. I'll do it five times. I'll do it, I'll, whatever I got to do to breathe new life into this boy. God, I'll resuscitate him. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'm going to lay on top of him. I'm going to breathe in. God, I will do whatever it takes. I'm here and I'm not leaving till the soul comes back to this boy right now. My life has been like, we, we, look, when you look at this ministry, oh, three services is good. That's easier. Four services is tough. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Oh, praying for a week straight every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's difficult. But you guess what? I'm going to do whatever it takes. And we're going to step out and do whatever. Oh, man, it's a lot, Pastor Lynn. You're already doing prison ministry. You're already doing police stuff. You're already doing this. I'm already doing, and, and you're going to take on the fire department? Yes, we're going to take, because we're going to do whatever it takes. We're not going to back. Anything short of sin, we'll do whatever it takes to see people say in fact we'll pay for everybody to have Cain's chicken at 1245 because we'll do whatever it stinking takes come on give God a little praise some people say oh well you shouldn't pay people to come to church damn the devil and the horse that he rode in on Uh, that is a lie I'll pay someone a thousand dollars to sit in that seat I'll pay someone a ten I'll give you money every day If you show up to church, why? Because I'll do whatever it takes. Money means absolutely nothing when it comes to the soul of every single person on this earth. We will not have a church that has a ton of money in the account. We'll be a church that continues to put away and save, but we will also spend it. By the time we're done, I want all of it gone. Money means absolutely nothing. We'll do whatever it takes. My wife and I had to walk this through. And I, I don't know how to say this without starting to cry, but I'm going to do my best. When we had our first miscarriage, it hurt like crazy. When we had our second, it felt like God was just punishing us. When we had our third, it felt like it'll never get better. When we had our fourth, I felt like there was no hope. When there were five, I felt like God, you're just, I don't even know if you're real. There was moments where I tried to take my life during this process. I said, God, you can, I could pray for people, but you can't even help me. And I wanted to give up. And I yelled at God. And I got mad at God. And I got frustrated and I talked to God. But I remember God just whispering back, Lynn, it's going to be okay. Lynn, it's going to be all right. Sorrow may endure for the night. Joy comes in the morning. And if I'd have given up 
at five. I wouldn't have a wife with a little baby girl in the way. This, this isn't a message of something I want you to do. This is a message of something I've had to live. And every time I preach, it's not from a place of revelation. It's a place of experience. And unfortunately, the burden of every pastor is to walk through every message before it's ever spoken. And any pastor who preaches revelation that hasn't been walked has no anointing. The reason there's anointing on this point, you've heard that probably most of your life. But the reason there's an anointing and impact is because I've had to walk through this. And when you understand how to do whatever it takes, I mean, do whatever, show up every day. Tell the devil no. When the flesh tells you not to show up, show up anyway. When the devil tells you no, only go to one service, go to three. I got team members. I got volunteers that said, Pastor, we'll be there all four services. Pastor, we'll be there all three services. We're the fastest growing church in northern Arizona. And the reason we're doing that is because we have a whatever it takes mentality. And God is saying, let's change the world. Let's make a global impact from Flagstaff. I, I, gotta, I got one last point. I got to close. After you breathe, whatever it takes, you have to breathe anew. You have to breathe in this something new. Did you know this new breath that Elijah was breathing on this little boy? Did you know that that breath that he, he breathed, did you know it was the first time, this is the first resurrection mentioned in the Bible? First now, later on, Elisha would do it. Later on, Jesus would do it. Later on, Paul and Peter would do it. Later on, people, they would walk by and their shadows would heal people. I mean, they'd walk over a grave. They would throw bones on Elisha's grave and people would come to life. I'm telling you, there was incredible, there's incredible power that happened after. But this was the first. Can God do something new in you that's never been done? Or does it have to have been done in order for you to have faith? God is calling us to do something new, but usually when God's trying to do new vision and a new thing, the greatest opposition is old things and old vision. And if you don't get rid of the old vision and the old things, new things will never be birthed. But Elijah said, okay, God, I've never seen this done before. Nobody's ever raised some from the... That's why he was probably like, I guess I'll just lay on top of... And he stretched him out. And in Hebrew, it literally means to extend and to measure. What he did is extended his faith and measured the situation and said, God, only you can show up in this. I cannot do this. And he stretched his faith and said, I've never done it before, but God, I know you can. I've never done it before, but God, I know you can. God, I've never done four services, but I know you can. God, I've never gone to church before, but I, I know you can. God, I've never seen somebody heal before, but I know you can. God, I've never seen somebody change Afghanistan, but I know you can. God, I, I know you can. God can do a, a work, a new work when you're ready to let go of the old thing. But nothing new can come while old is clung to. If you're holding on to yesterday's glory, you cannot grab a hold of today's victory. You ever heard somebody who talks about the glory days? Oh, man. They always start off like that. I feel like they always have a cigarette and like a belly, too. You know, when I played football, it was real football. Not this stuff y'all play. You know, when I, when, when I rode bulls, I used to ride bulls, and I, I would ride bulls, and we didn't wear all the 
armor they wear now. And, and I could sit there and say like, oh, I rode a bull. But my dude, I rode a bull. I got knocked out, kicked in the head. I don't have glory days. I have shameful past. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to relive that. I, I want to go ahead and say, okay, God, I bet there's something better out there. And let me just tell you, if it's good, it's bad, or it's indifferent, there's always better when it's with God. And God is saying, let me do a new thing. Let me do a new thing. Breathe in this new breath. You may have never experienced the Holy Spirit before, and you are going to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, a lot of people come to our church and they say, I've heard that song. I've heard a message on that five loaves, two fish stuff. I've heard all that, but I felt something different here. What is different here? It's His Spirit. Not saying they don't have it, but listen, if you don't practice it, and, on, and you don't even preach it, how will it ever happen? We preach the power of the Holy Spirit, that miracle signs and wonders shall follow us. We preach the ministry of Jesus Christ, that the Bible says that he went everywhere preaching, teaching, and healing every manner of sickness and disease. We preach it, and we practice it. And when we practice it, you feel the life-giving experience of God, because more than just figuring God out, God wants you to experience who he is, because knowledge can be questioned, but experience can never be challenged, because your testimony can never be, can never be can never be challenged by anybody because it's your experience. And when you feel the Holy Spirit move in your life like this, you need to say, God, I think you can do something new. Now, the cool part that we all live in is the ministry after Jesus and after the Holy Spirit. And we get to live in a place where we say, God, if you raised him from the dead, if you raised Pastor Lana, I was almost, I almost didn't have a voice and God raised me from a hospital bed at nine years old. If God can do it in me, God can do it in you. If God could do it for Stevie who was in the hospital who blew the back right side of his brain out and in a coma and sent Pastor Landon to show up at the hospital and pray for a man who tried to take his life and then we prayed and amen and he woke up from a coma and said, I need water and the whole room gave their life to Jesus. If, if God can do it for Pastor Mel who's being healed of cancer if God can do it for the person next to you God can do it for you if God has done it before he'll do it again oh come on give God a real praise give God a real praise come on everybody stand everybody stand here and online in every prison cell at all of our home churches we're going to continue to experience the manifestation of God's glory why because the anointing precedes the gifting I may be gifted, but it's not my gift. I may be talented, but it's not my talent. I may be wise, but it's not my wisdom. And you are called to be a part of a move of God. You don't need to wander. You don't need to wane anymore. Man, we just got to, how many ever felt this during COVID? I just got out of a rhythm. You can't afford to get out of rhythm with God. And the things of God are attached to God. You don't get one without the other. That means church. That means prayer. That means worship. That means word. That means all of it encompassed. Jesus died so that we could become the body of Christ and gather together. Do not forsake it. Get back in a rhythm. And breathe. Come on. Breathe that new life. Breathe that new breath. 
Come on, if you've got a despairing thought, if you've got a situation, I don't know about you, but I know of a couple dark places in this world. I know of a couple despairing situations in this world, and I need something new to happen. I need God to move and move powerfully. And I want to pray. I want to pray with some people who believe that too. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that we're in a house full of people, God, who want to see change in our nation, change, God, in our school system, change for the glory of God, Lord, in our justice system, change, God, in our fire department, police department, for the glory of God. Lord, I thank you that we're going to see change, God, in our state. Change, God, Lord, in our city. Change in northern Arizona. I thank you, God, that you're going to use us to do something new. Maybe churches have never done what we're doing. I don't know. But guess what? We're going to do something new. We're going to believe for something new. We're going to see something new. And we're not going to let the old things hold us back. But we're going to breathe in that new breath and receive from God. And Lord, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed here and online, if you've been hearing this preaching and something's been stirring in you, something you could, it's almost like you feel like you got goosebumps, you want to cry, you want to you yell, you want to laugh, you want to do, and it's the Holy Spirit moving in your life to say, I want you to turn your heart over to me. And if you want to surrender your heart to God and receive eternity into your life, all you need to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And for those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you, with no one looking around, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for the hands shooting up. Keep them up. Yeah, hands going up everywhere. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Online too. Online too. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every hand raised and heart open. We're going to dedicate our life to you. Thank you, girls, for raising those hands. Keep them up. Keep them up. I see you. I see you. And now with everybody under the sound of my voice, I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, Jesus, I receive you now now. as my Lord, as my my Savior, as my my Heavenly Father. Father. I'm forever yours, yours. and I am saved. saved. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted a good amen. Come on, let's give God a real praise. Come on, a real big praise. Hallelujah. All of heaven gets happy when one. If you gave your life to Jesus, we got a Bible for you. We got a gift for you. We got Right Now Media. Put Right Now Media up there if you can, guys. Right Now Media is the largest online platform of Christian content, and it's free to everybody in our church. And we especially want people who are new believers to get that because you're going to get tons of great Christian content. This is our prayer app. Download our prayer app and get that a part of your life because you need to walk and grow in your prayer life. And so be here all this week for our prayer services. But those who are or have given their life to Jesus today, make sure, and you're in person, make sure you see our information desk. We want to plug you into all the resources that you need for your walk of discipleship. And I would compel you, if you gave your heart to Jesus, sign up to get baptized next Sunday and watch God do something great. All right. How many received a good word from God today? Amen. Let's speak this bridge declaration and be dismissed. I am a bridge builder. Come on. We'll worship fully. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. See you this week, guys.
We are so glad that you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision today, whether that be dedicating your life to Christ for the first time or rededicating your life to Christ, email us at info at wearebridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you are joining our Bridge Church online family for the very first time, we have a special gift for you. Email us at info at wearebridge.church to share some information so we can get that gift out to you. We're so happy that you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. Make sure to stay connected because we are so much better together.